This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHI certified inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and licensed contractor Jeff Simmons from Houseworks. The coronavirus pandemic is roaring on, and the home has become the sanctuary. Some guidelines are being relaxed, but social distancing is still the norm. Travel might be like the summer, so we got some tips to make your backyard a great place to, you know, visit and hang out. Also, we're ready for your general home improvement questions. You can join the conversation with us this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 7464 or send an email to fix it 101 at mpbonline.org. How are you folks today? Pam, Jeff? Okay. <laughs> Pam or Jeff? You guys there? Okay. Hey, I'll, I always let Pam go first. Oh, oh, Aww. that's what it was. Thank right. you. <laughs> so, uh, how how has the week been for you guys as far as like uh your work jobs? Are you still on the job? Yeah, we are. We're, uh, it's actually kind of picked up to be honest. So we're, um, we've been doing empty homes, Mm -hmm. um, but we're getting ready to move to doing occupied properties with some protocols in place. Right. Um, but folks are, you know, they're out looking at houses and wanting to move. So we want to be as helpful as we can with that. Jeff, you working? Yes. You know, surprisingly, uh, Pam is exactly right. People are getting out, uh, real estate sales or, or they're not, uh, let's don't say they're booming, uh, but they're definitely not flat. Uh, they are, they're out, they're buying properties. We're building. Um, we just build a little differently than what we did a month ago. Right. You know, it's really weird. I don't know if you guys saw it. There was an article in Clarion Ledger the other day that said that uh, for some reason, Mississippi was bucking the trend and selling houses and cars still while the rest of the country had just tanked. Uh, so I thought that was a really interesting article. You can look it up. It's on the Clarion you know, Ledger. You know, if you if you look, hysteric, as history will show us, Mississippi is all. Say that again, Jeff. We lost you. Behind a little bit. Oh, okay. Hang on. Uh, you got me now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, no. The thing I was saying, Mississippi's always been a little behind the curve when when it comes to the economy going down. It, it's a little slower for us, and it doesn't seem like we take as as deep a V in the economy and the same thing happens when the economy is booming. It doesn't seem like we rise as fast as the rest of the country. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Okay. All right. Well, I, um, I wanted to say this weekend, I did a, uh, a beginner project that I think a lot of us can grab a hold of. Are you ready for this? Um, Oh, yes. Okay. Well, all of a sudden became a big deal in my house. (laughs) Um, I found out, uh, you know, all of us do a lot more kind of delivery right now. We're both, we're all being pushed to do delivery food, that kind of thing. Um, so we've been doing a lot of delivery where we started noticing all of our food kept going to the lady next door. And so I looked at Google maps and, and sure enough, it always placed my address at the house next door. It was just a little off. So it occurred to me. I might not have proper signage. 
So the the project of the day for my wife and I was to create a, uh, a you know a new number on the house that would be much easier seen by the delivery people, right? So, uh, you know, we didn't want to go crazy, but we had noticed some people had tied up some banners to their house and balloons and things like that around (laughs) the numbers of the house to let the delivery people know. So anyway, we took it on as a project and uh, uh, bought the numbers, you know, the numbers that we would need for our house. And then I went and got a piece of board and painted it up, cut it real nice. And we, you know, screwed it all down and got it looking nice and hung it on the house. But now you can see. Uh, the house number from the road a lot easier than before. And I know that sounds silly, but right now, with all the delivery going on, it's, you know what, we hadn't missed one since we fixed that sign. Everything, Funny thing, yeah, Jason, it, yesterday I went out to do, a, uh, we do builder warranty inspections uh-huh. before the year's up. We'll go in and help the homeowner get a list. And I went into a new neighborhood and drove up to the wrong house. Yeah. Because <laughs> the numbers. And so the the client comes out of the house next door and starts waving at me. No, you need to be over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, uh, and, and Google can only do so good. And it almost puts you at my front door, but it, no. It's one house over. So uh, hopefully we fix that problem. But it's an it's a easy cost-efficient project that you can do that actually helps your home in this particular situation. So think about that. Well, I'm sure your uh, your neighbor may be disappointed because she's not getting all Got this a lot less food. <laughs> I can tell you that. No more pizza going there. <laughs> so, Jason, did the neighbor give the food back? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we typically caught her. I, I, you know what? I got wise to it after a while, and we go stand in the front of my driveway and wave wave the people over to me. But uh, now I do think that's a pretty good project for people because it's easy. It's something you can do. You can make it bright, big, whatever you need to do. Uh, make it cool and you know sleuth whatever, but make it so that you can actually see it from the road. Might be a good yeah, idea. Yeah, you, you know, it, yes, and it is. I mean, let, let's just imagine for a minute. Uh, food is one thing, but let's say that you, you know, actually have an emergency and, and someone needs to find that, that house very quickly. So yes, it is, it is a big deal. And, uh, on new construction, you cannot pass, you cannot get your CO certificate of occupancy until the numbers are clearly placed on the house, not on the mailbox. The mailbox does not count. Mailbox does not count. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good to know, Jeff, that that's actually a thing that goes into homemaking now. Absolutely. And you know, something that I did uh, several years ago, because I was having the same problem, is that I bought some oversized numerals Uh and hung them on my fence, which faces the front. Okay. And that seems they're artistic, they're artsy, they're all right. different sizes and um pretty cool looking in my opinion, but now I don't have that problem. People can find me pretty quickly. Right. Right. That's fantastic. Uh you know, today is uh what was it? Today that's Earth Day? Yeah, today yeah. is today is yeah. Earth Day. Today is a couple of things that uh, Java brought up here uh, for me to talk about that just make all kinds of sense for Earth Day. That is, uh, that is good for just about anyone to uh, help your home out. Something to do on uh, Earth Day: make a compost pile. I was I was uh, talking about a compost pile with my wife. Uh, a couple of days ago on our walk, and she's never had one. And I said, you know, this is this is a really neat thing if you do this. First of all, 
um, it makes the most glorious soil in the world. If you make a compost pile and you need to plant something, you take some of that compost and put it there, and man, it just grows like a weed. Um, but but it's a good time to start that, you know, uh, and the compost uh, can help you uh, use your kitchen scraps, saving landfill space and uh, add nutrients to your soil. You know, all the food that you eat are going to add nutrients to the soil. So uh, another thing that you can do on this Earth Day, and this one makes all kinds of sense, folks, fix your leaky faucets. If you've got leaky faucets in your home, you can uh, you, you will reduce your water consumption big time. I know it sounds crazy that that drop coming out of your bathtub or your sink, that one little drop every couple of seconds is nothing. It's something. Uh, and it'll eventually show up on your water bill before long. But fix your leaky faucets right now. And that way you uh, can make sure that you're not squandering any extra water or energy. So that that's a good project for a stay at home right now. And uh, there are many videos and tutorials online. And, of course, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We're going to take our first break. And uh, today we're looking to make your home the best staycation it can be. Because it might need to be. Because vacations are not really going to happen this summer as much, maybe. There are several tips that can make your home a real summer destination. Stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pivas, ASHI Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Guys, we're about to go to a call in Arkansas. But before we do that, I wanted to mention we got storms again this weekend. And remember, if you are in need of a contractor, your best place to start is msboc.us. That's where you want to go to start. That's the Mississippi State Board of Contractors. And uh, and there's a lot of places to go. You can go to your Home Builders Association sites to find uh, licensed, bonded, certified contractors, that kind of thing. But do, you can start there, msboc.us. That's a good place to start to find your contractor. All right, let's go to uh, Helen is in Arkansas. Okay, guys, this means that we can just talk whatever stuff we want to talk about this because it's not in Mississippi. Uh, she's building a house. Okay, let's go to he- uh, Helen. You there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we're not going to be able to offend your local contractor, so go. <laughs> well, I'm building a house, and I've gotten three quotes, and it's a custom house. So it's, it, 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 is, it is unique from vaulted ceilings and all that. Mm-hmm. The quotes have ranged from $527,000 all the way up to $700,000. Three different quotes. So the... It's, it's really interesting how they're varying the quotes, but the average seemed to be about 550 mm-hmm. And I sold a house similar to the one I'm building, wanting to build, and I sold it for 420 mm-hmm. It has the two questions. How do we evaluate the quotes? And second, how does, has construction of the last 25 years increased that dramatically? 
selling a similar house for $400,000 in Tennessee, Memphis, and now building a similar house. And it's going from $400,000 uh, to almost $600,000, $550,000. I don't understand that. Jeff, I can feel you salivating on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Go well, for it, man. <laughs> you know, look, it, it may be hard to understand, but it is actually reality, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, just we're, we're going to pick lumber, for instance. We are shy, meaning we don't have enough lumber. We're not producing enough lumber. Let me put it that way. Wow. In United States. So we purchase from Canada an estimated 300 million board feet a year from Canada. That's wow. one thing. That's one thing raising our lumber prices. And then the, there's other factors, okay? Right now, uh, at least in, in our market, central Mississippi, uh, we, it's a seller's market right now. So we can, we can demand our price. But, but uh, it's a two-part question. Yes, prices are going up. I could easily justify that. Secondly, I'm ranging from 527000 to 700000 um, I'm probably not taking the lowest. I'm probably not taking the highest. If I were in your shoes, Helen, here we go. I, I would um, hire a contractor, and I would hire them uh, with what we would call a um, a builder fee, a management fee. Um, I'm going to pay cost for the for my home, and then I'm going to pay you X amount to manage it for me, build it for me. That should range somewheres around 12 to 16%, my opinion, uh, of what it should cost me to get that house built. So uh, let's say it costs $20,000 to frame it. Um, labor and material, I'm going to put 15% on top of that, and I'm going to give you a bill. I think that's okay. the most fair way to do a custom home today is cost plus builder fee. Cost plus builder fee. Okay. Yes. yes. Easy okay. equation. Perfect, because that's what one one contractor did offer. Uh, cost I plus think, fee. Uh, Helen, I think that is a very. Um, it's very fair. It's 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 fair on you. It's fair on the contractor. If if I were building your home and you asked me to hard bid it, meaning give you a a turnkey, it will not go over this price. I'm giving you seven hundred thousand oh, dollars. I'm, I'm gonna cover myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there you go, Helen. Yeah. It sounds like you've got uh, a uh, at least some sort of solution to start with. Pam, did you have some? Well, you know, and just to build on what to build on what Jeff said. <laughs> Um, I think something that I see because we do inspect new construction is that, you know, it depends on what you want. Do you want a Goodman or do you want a train? Talking about air conditioners. That's that's a good point. I that, mean, do you want the nice yeah. tile or do you want midline tile? Do you that's, want Pergo or do you want real wood? I mean, it's it's materials. And so I think Jeff makes an excellent point because then you become responsible for deciding what the materials are. You pay for that and then you pay the builder to manage to get it in. That's right. But, I mean, I'll, I'll go. It just blows my mind. Sometimes I'll go to these half a million dollar houses and they've got the cheapest air conditioner you can put in. Or from like the countertops. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, from a builder, I don't know. Are you going to pick a twelve hundred dollar tub, or are you going to pick a three thousand dollar tub? I don't know. I don't know if you have a tub fetish or not. Maybe, maybe you <laughs> right. do. Maybe you right. don't. I, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> I want to go into the build as I'm going to give you a middle of the road budget. Then I'm going to give you an, a a dollar figure. This is what we will build this house for. Now, if you stay on budget, this is what it's going to cost you. If you go out and buy a three thousand dollar tub, and I told you that your budget's fifteen hundred, right there, you owe fifteen hundred more dollars. So. Wow! All right, uh, thank you, Helen. I hope this helps out, and uh, you uh, wrangle those contractors in Arkansas for us. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, ma'am. All right, number calls 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Got an email here that I wanted to start with you guys. Okay, my breakfast chandelier has candle-like bulbs, and they require 40-watt bulbs. Okay, I've got the picture in my head. You guys see this? One of those chandeliers with the candle type? You know, on there, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at one right now. Oh, okay. It says, can I substitute a higher watt LED bulb to get more light, or do they make these type of LED bulbs for chandeliers? Wow. With um, <laughs> thoughts, guys. They do. They do. My wife said they do. Your wife said, "Well, then it, it is done." Then. She, well, she would know because she buys light bulbs. I don't buy light. Right. Okay, so you can buy the chandelier size. I'm sorry, Jason. Repeat. I said so you could buy uh, in the store the ones that kind of look like the, the they they used to make them try to look like a flame sort of uh, in the in the design of the bulb. Um, you know, I I would I would guess you would. I mean, everything's going LED, so why not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, have you been to the big box store and just, I've done it. I'll just stand there on the aisle with all the bulbs. Oh, it's, it's and there's so like confusing. five other people and we're all just, it's like a, just into a headlight. We just, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's 5,000 different bulbs that you can buy now. That you can uh, buy. In, in uh, fact, go to, go, go to the big box store. It takes up one entire aisle. Oh, it does. The whole aisle. Yeah. And it's just everything. It's just, I'm like, what just happened to the old light bulb that I would come well, in Well, let me tell you this. I will say this. That one of the greatest things I learned outside of taking pictures of things was if it's something like a bulb, there's no reason you can't bring it with you and, and, and compare sizes. and how, you know. Uh, that's probably a really good idea. That way, you know, at least you'll get something that'll fit. Well, let me tell you, let me give you a story here. Uh, I had one of those, uh, range hoods that had the, you know, it was a microwave over my range mm-hmm. and the bulb went out. And so whole I different bulb. the bulb and I took it and I found what I thought was the right thing. And I came back and whenever I stuck it in the socket, it exploded. Yeah. And, yeah. It was a bad day. And so it, it blew the fuse out in the microwave, Ugh. and I had to call the appliance guy. And I stood there and watched him, and now I know how to change the fuse in my microwave. <laughs> Should I do that again? Wow. But when you start, um, my recommendation would be anytime you're putting bulbs into anything, any socket, turn the power off. Huh. Yeah. I think everybody leaves it on so that when they get the bulb tied in there, it turns on. <laughs> 
No, no, no. Bad idea. Bad idea. Right. I'll have to remember that next time. Anyway, so uh, let's take your calls at 877-MPB-RING. Sue is on the line in Beaumont. Uh, what's what's going on, Sue? I just, I'd like to ask you you folks a question. Since y'all are the experts about things like this, I want to ask. I saw a, a picture on Facebook where a family was saved during the tornado by going into this safe room that was built into their house, like it's like a little concrete room. Yes, ma'am. So why why don't since we're in Mississippi where we're prone to tornadoes, why 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 aren't houses built with one little safe room inside the house, in all houses? I tell you what, Sue, it would be a wonderful world if there was, because, my gosh, recently in Mississippi, if we just had a whole bunch of safe rooms, there would be a lot more people alive today. Because yeah, that's right. You know, and, and I, I I was online just like you, Sue, and I saw somebody the other day, and and it seems like it was a little bad timing or crass or something like that, but... You know, there was someone on Facebook the other day advertising those uh, large concrete, you know, bunker kind of things that you can connect to your house and make look like a real room, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, they were giving prices for them and everything. And I thought, you know, this is a, a fantastic purchase that hopefully you will never need, you know, but if you do need it, it's unbelievable. When I sue the picture, I think a lot of us saw that picture of that room standing up and nothing else outside of it. Right. So that that was pretty impressive and a, and a heck of a sales campaign for somebody making those things right now. And I want to ask you another question right quick. Uh, why or why is plumbing built uh, put under the slab of houses since I'm having plumbing problems like that? Why, why can't plumbing be put through the walls or, or somewhere so it's easily, easily gotten to instead of under a slab where you have to come, break up the concrete to get down there to fix it or something? Right. Uh, Jeff? Okay, sure. Let's. I'm going to answer your first question on the storm shelter. Why aren't houses built with, with storm shelter? Uh, Sue, it boils down to cost and cost only. Uh, most people, when they buy a house, they buy at the top of their income. When you when you add a ten thousand dollar storm shelter right. in there, um, so it's it's money. Uh, second answer: Why is plumbing in the slab? Your drain has to be in the slab because it's got to be lower than than your lowest drain in your house. Uh, now, your water lines, they could all be run above slab, and a lot of them are. So your water has to come in, but your sewer has to be below below grade in order to flow out of the house. Right. All right, so well, so much of plumbing works on gravity. It is so amazing. Now, it, uh, I'm sorry, Jason. I just had one other comment to add on her. No, plumbing. go for it. Go for it. Uh, it. Sue, it sounds like you have a plumbing leak right now. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, has it called? Has it caused damage to uh, anything above the slab? No. Okay. Unfortunately, you don't have an insurance claim. Right, but grab but a plumber. Can, yeah, if you can find damage to anything above the slab, meaning floor, uh, then call your insurance. Oh, okay. 
All right. Thank you, Sue. We appreciate it. Uh, Have a good day. We've got uh, uh, some other calls and emails. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. It's time for another break, and we'll continue taking your home improvement questions and talking about making your home a summer staycation destination when we get to that. Stay tuned. If you have any questions, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned for more Fix It 101 after the break. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. Sorry, I was singing Biggie there. The home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector and Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. And if you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or our MPB public media app. Real quick, let's go to Kathleen and Osaka about some light bulbs. What's going on, Kathleen? Did you hear our conversation about the LEDs? Oh, yeah, and I need a life raft or something because I went into a big box store and I looked at the row, right, six foot high, 50, 60 feet long, and I had an electrician with me, and I was stumped, and he said, well, we're going to have to replace the receptacles outside. Is that what they call them, fixtures or something? Uh, I looked for something to put a floodlight in. I didn't find anything that looked like I knew, and they had this little like piece of metal in the bottom of the bulb that came up uh-huh. and it didn't look like a filament so i was completely thrown off my game yeah yeah the I filaments on fixtures and outside light bulbs for protection or whatever we got to use right right and and i have recently converted my uh outside nightlight you know the one uh, i've got one that's motion censored for my dogs you know, yeah. and I recently converted that over to LED, and it works beautifully. And no, you're not going to find filaments and stuff like that like you used to. Oh, I'm showing my age. Where's the Clairol quick? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, what do I ask for if I want a floodlight? Do I still use the term floodlight? You can, and and uh, so the the person who's there, who's at least begun to shave, will know what that means. And we'll be able to point you in the right direction. Okay, so that means a new fixture, too, or where they come? Not necessarily. You can put some LEDs in older fixtures, depending on the fixture, where they are, and all that other stuff. Okay. Yeah, because I put my LED lights in an older fixture, and they work great. They work fine. This is like taking a course in light bulbs 101, you know? Well, don't take it from me. Hang on. i got a contractor here or something. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kathleen. Bye. Let's keep going. Uh, I've got an email here, and uh, Pam, you may or may not have seen this uh, in your in your inspections over the years, but I, I want to mention it, and then uh, I'd like a, a a thought. Okay, someone on our local Facebook bulletin board stated that instead of traditional insulation, 
they used isoboard to insulate the floor in their traditional foundation. What do you guys think? Uh, what Pam? is the isoboard? You know, yeah, it's a... That's a styrofoam. Yeah, the heavy kind of styrofoam. Um, right. It's a it's right. a it's we, a big piece of board. Uh, we, we use it behind synthetic stucco. Oh yeah. That yeah. We attach that. We we mechanically fasten that to the substrate, and then we put our synthetic on top of the ISO board. Okay. So, would that- so they're talking about probably going under that subfloor in a conventional foundation and probably just screwing it underneath there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I to me, that's not a suitable product for insulation. To me, um, I, if, if I'm going to insulate my um, conventional foundation, I, I, I think. I'm- you think what? Hang on, Jeff. We lost you. You'll, he'll come back. Um, so yeah, let's keep going. I think um, I think uh, you know that product wasn't made for that particular uh, situation. Uh, there are other there are other products that were made to to go under the flooring. Pam, it, it, what have you seen as you go out there and inspect? Have you ever seen anything like this? I have, and um, I just don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's made to be put outside like that and not covered up. Uh-huh. And what what we'll see when we go into conventional uh, crawl spaces here in our climate, people will come in with a bat insulation, and most of the time it's put in upside down, so the paper is down, and our dew point is too high for that application. Because what happens underneath that house is that your moisture level is too high and that insulation will get wet. And once insulation is not touching the surface, it is of no value. Wow. And one of the things that I heard Jeff saying before we lost him there was the spray foam. If I were going to do that, if I had all the money in the world, I would probably foam my crawl space subfloor from the bottom everywhere except at my plumbing penetrations because I want to be able to know what's going on with that plumbing. With that being said, our climate is just, you know, I live in a, my house is built in 58. Right. I'm on a conventional and I've looked at it, but you know, I'm not, we don't get snow. We don't get sub freezing temperatures I just don't see the value. It's almost why do that now? Arkansas, Tennessee—that's a different thing. And I'm just going to agree with Jeff. If you if you want to do it, you're wasting your money by putting bad insulation down there. That foam board to me is not good for that application. So I would just price out getting it sprayed. But make sure you get somebody who knows what they're doing. Jeff, what's the difference between an open cell or a closed cell? Which one would you recommend for a crawl space? Hang on just a second. Let's go back to a definition of, of what you're talking about. Our, open our, cell and closed cell is the type of insulation? It's the type of foam. The type of foam. An open okay. cell, will it's porous, and, it will, um, and it's spongy whenever uh-huh. you touch it. And it's um, that application is good. It's it, you got to use the right kind at the right place. And Jeff probably has more knowledge about that. Go for it, Jeff. 
All right. Let's uh, keep on moving. So, got another, uh, if you want to make a call, it's 877-MPB-RING. It's 877-672-7464. And, you know, we're talking about things where you can stay home in your own backyard today and, and doing things that can make a difference. One of the things that we redid recently was mounting of a mailbox, uh, you know, a post hole. And I learned something on this show, uh, I guess, about a, a year or two ago from a caller who said, hey, if you're doing a, uh, a, a like a fence post or something like that, you don't have to use concrete. And one of the suggestions brought to us here was use pea gravel. So I went out and I got some of the pea gravel. And uh, if you put, you know, probably three, four inches at the bottom of your hole of pea gravel and then set your set your um, set set the the pole in there, uh, go ahead and and level it out to where you want and then pour the pea gravel around that uh, up to the point where, you, you know, a couple inches from from the top and then use soil to cover that portion. But. Uh, the person who called and told me about that here said that, well, it's going to keep the water off of the wood because it gives it place for the water to disperse into the soil instead of the soil actually touching the piece of wood. Uh, and no, it does not move. I pity the fool that hits that mailbox. So um, have you guys heard You know what that? you could do too, Jason, because it's funny because you said staycation. And I was like, what are you doing? you like sitting in your lawn chair around your mailbox? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what is there to do but wait for people to come to the house with deliveries? For somebody yeah. to bring me mail. It's the only right. company I get all day long. Right. Well, you could do, take that take that application and put a post in your backyard and put in a birdhouse or a yeah. bird feed. You know, I haven't talked about that in a while, but we've had several bird houses on my Facebook about a month ago. I posted a picture. I stuck a camera inside one of the uh, one of the uh, bird houses because I had to fix it because the uh, anyway, the top came off. I fixed it. But I took a picture and there were eggs in there. Robin eggs. Absolutely gorgeous. Well, I went back and took another picture this past week and it was four baby birds with their mouths open. And it was just the coolest thing in the world. That's what I got. I've got a bunch of birdhouses in the back, and I just really enjoy watching those come up. It's very fun if you are done with Netflix. Anyway, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. I got another question that involves flooring here, and uh, I'm going to give you guys a shot. Okay. In the guest bathroom of my home, the previous owner laid ceramic tile directly onto the subfloor. Obviously, the lack of an underlayment or any self-leveling has caused all the tiles to break and crack just be all an ugly nuisance. I'm really struggling with what is the easiest, cheapest way to get the ceramic tiles and grout off the wood subflooring so I can lay vinyl planks that will require glue, or should I just put new subfloor down and cover old grout after I pull up the ceramic? Thanks, guys. Amy. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, well... Okay, the uh, if you're going to put ceramic, you need quarter-inch hardy board. It's got enough flex in it to keep the um, – yeah, I, I, I bet what happened, the grout started cracking, the tile um, come – Right. The tile came undone. Uh, they, they missed one critical step there, and that was a quarter-inch hardy. Um, there's a couple things you can do. It's a small area. Pull the entire subfloor up. Go back with new subfloor. 
but on a conventional, I'm I'm going to recommend that that underlayment of quarter inch hardy, at least if you've got enough room, use half inch hardy. Really? Or not? It's not hardy board like our siding. It's hardy right. underlayment. Okay. Okay. Um, and does that feel kind of like a more of a like cement kind of feel? Concrete? Yeah, yes. Yes. Very much so. And then on top of that, you're going to put uh, your floor leveler. Then, then on top of that, you're going to put your whatever um, finished floor you're going with, ceramic, your vinyl, okay. vinyl plank, floater, you know, whatever. So you are saying that. And when that- you buy that product, Jeff, don't you have to have, like, if they're going to do that as a, like a handyman type product project, they would need a special blade to cut that. Yeah. And it's, it's easy. It's, it's, it's a shelf item. Um now I will recommend wearing uh, uh, some sort of uh, dust protection and eye uh, protection. It, it, it does have silica. Oh. Uh, silica is very, very bad for your lungs. Okay. So, yeah. So do it if you're going to be doing it. Take it outside. Cut it outside. Just it, it causes. Oh man, the dust and the nastiness. Yeah. But definitely awful. wear a, wear a mask or a respirator. You do not want to breathe. Uh, silica dust. So you feel like she should absolutely pull that plywood subflooring out and replace it with? It, well, you know, it, at some point, you've, you've got to look at the economic standpoint. Is it is it less money for me just to pull it out right. or, or I've got to scrape it off? Bottom line, I've got to have that subfloor smooth to do my next steps. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. And uh, it's time for our last break of the hour. If you missed any of today's tips, you can always listen back to this or other past episodes by subscribing to the podcast using any podcast app or our MPB public media app. You still have time to get to our home improvement question answered this uh, this morning. So call us with your questions, comments. Just tell us what project you're working on at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, Ashy Certified Inspector and Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. And if you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or MPB Public Media app. All right, we've got a phone on. uh, We have someone on the phone. Chad and Brandon, what's going on, Chad? Hello there, guys. Howdy. So what are you working on today? So I noticed in my bedroom I have some tile that has jutted up and uh, is now bowing up and uh, along the grout line. Uh, I removed a piece of the tile and noticed that the thin set is directly applied to the concrete. So I guess doing this, I might have to remove all of the tile from the room. Uh, my question is, is what type of unit or device do I use to remove all the thin set that's going to be on the concrete? 
All the thin set that's uh, like kind of left there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Pam, have you used something to get thin set off before, or Jeff? My nephew. Sure. Your nephew. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a young man with yeah. lots of muscle. Well, I'm a little confused. Why is the tile coming up? Uh, I can't find any seam of water or anything. I'm guessing it was just laid possibly wrong with no expansion joints. Nah. No, I disagree with that. There's moisture somewhere. Um, nevertheless, you're going to take the tile up. Uh, they They make, and you can rent them. Um, it's a, it's just a handheld tool. Um, it, it's like a little jackhammer. It's called a, um, gosh, what is it called? What is it? It's I a know flat what uh, I gave my Yeah, <laughs> I've got two of them. It's, it's, um, it's like a big flat blade. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it vibrates back and forth. It's and it's, it's fairly simple to, to get it up. Right. Ceramic uh, tile is one of the easiest things to get up. Again, wear a dust mask, wear safety glasses, because you will have um, shards of ceramic. Uh, You don't want to get that in your eye. So do do those two things. Once that's done, find someone with a moisture meter. Um, I'm suspecting you have a leak somewhere in your slab. Chad, um, I've done this before at my house. Do you happen to have... Uh, one of those little portable air compressors. I do, yes. You do? Okay. Uh, may I ask uh, how large the tank is? I think it's only like a five-gallon tank. Okay, that's not bad. Um, here's the deal. You can buy one of these little tools uh, that has uh, – they're not expensive. They're like $20. They look like something that a, a, a mechanic would use, um, but it's an air tool that has a, a flat hammer on the front, a big kind of wedge thing. And like air tool. Yes, it's an air tool, and you just put it down there. I did this to some ceramic tile in front of my fireplace, and the the way that I tried it to start with, with, you know, the uh, uh, a hammer and a, and a wedge, you know, you'll kill yourself after a while. That thing made real quick work of all that tile and the underlayment. No problem. Well, one more quick question, noticing that he said that it was possibly moisture. Uh, all my water lines ran through the attic and on down using braided uh, braided wiring or mm-hmm. braided uh, hose. Um, if it's in the slab, it would need would more than likely be sewer line related, but the area that the ceramic tile is jutting up is in the bathroom, which is right. 25 feet away from my bathroom, maybe more. Right. Well, and, and, you know, you just never know where this stuff can come from. One of the things we've learned on this show is that, you know, if you get water coming in somewhere to your house or from a line, that doesn't mean that particular place is where you'll find uh, the leak or the water damage or anything else because the water can travel from other places easily. Right, um, especially underneath ceramic tile. Right, yeah. right. All right. Uh, and two, if. If you do have a water leak, you have an insurance claim because yeah. it has caused damage above the slab. Okay, might be uh, worth getting a plumber in there to see if they can't. Right, I, I would. I would do some more investigation. That tile just did not come up. Just, just be. 
Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't. Just so come on. I'd say that it's got it up at least an inch away from the uh, surface area. So, uh, Yikes. Right there at the grout line. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, thank you. I'm, just, I'm curious. How, how old is the home? Ten years. Oh. Okay. Yeah. There's. See, if it was install issue, it would have never been there ten years. So that theory needs to needs to go out the window. Yeah. Uh, I'm leaning even more towards a um, uh, towards a, a water leak. Now, there's something else I'm going to encourage you to do. This in your bathroom, right? A bedroom. Bedroom. Yeah. Bedroom. Okay. Turn the hot water on. Put your hand down where the where the crack is. And see if that gets warm. Um, that's going to indicate there is a water. There's a hot water line there. There, there. I, I, I'm still you. I, You're stuck. I'm ninety. I'm ninety percent sure you've got a moisture problem. Okay. And it could be too. You know, we've talked about this before. If you if it's a ten year old home, my guess is that the air conditioner is in the attic. So if you've got a drip line or a condensate line, we found with our thermal imaging exactly what Jeff is talking about. That air conditioning unit will be up in the attic, and it is running to a sewer line or a stack Mm -hmm. with a P-trap. And that P-trap will get clogged, and the water will run down the wall, and you don't even know it's doing it. Hmm. Uh, Well, other side of the house on that one. but Okay. All right. Well, uh, appreciate it, Chad. Uh, hope you can find that. Uh, hope you can find your solution. All right. Let's uh, let's keep moving. We got a, another question about being outside. Thanks, Chad. We appreciate it. Um, got another question here from email outdo uh, outdoor mildew removal, and this is real common this time of year. Uh, and I believe we've talked about it here on the show before. The north side of homes. Uh, in Mississippi is going to tend to get more of the green mossy stuff on it. Um, this uh, person says, hello, I believe I heard y'all talking about some product that really helped remove mildew outside. I'm hoping you can share that information with me again. I have a back patio that needs some attention. We have talked about this a couple of times. And the standard, uh, I guess, term that we use is house wash is a term that you can use. A lot of people have different names for this stuff, uh, but it's called house wash. No, it's not pure bleach. Um, it does have some other stuff in there. Can you guys talk about that, Pam or Jeff, about the, the green stuff growing on the side of the house and how you might be able to get that down without using pressure washing or anything? I'm deferring to Jeff because I know this is his favorite subject. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can go to the big box store and get um, – Get a house wash right. uh, product, put it in your bucket, get you a soft brush and wash, uh, or um, put some put some yard clothes on uh-huh. and mix you a um, maybe a two to one bleach water ratio, two water, one bleach, and wash it that way. Bleach is extremely inexpensive. Yes. If you can find it. If you can, yeah. are we low on? Oh my Yeah, I went yeah. to the store the other day to get some bleach, and all that was available was the off-brand small bottle. You could, you, wow. you, you know, yeah, there was nothing right. else left. Tough to get it, but the house wash is there. I was in one of the stores the other day. I couldn't find any bleach, but there was plenty of house wash. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, well, and, it, and it's 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 simple. Uh, again, 
less pressure is better. So, Great. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got one more email time to cover here, and this is a quickie, but it's a lot of fun, and I saved it for you for last, Jeff. You ready? Is oh, it, good. I'm ready. I know. Is it better to leave your fans run all the time? Does it make any <laughs> difference in sagging? If you, uh, it, that's the way it was written. Uh, if is it better to let your fans run all the time? Does it make any difference in sagging of the uh, blades? Know, the blades, yeah. Of the blades. Well, uh-huh. the blades um, sag. If you put an indoor fan outside, they're gonna sag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the quick answer to that is fan does not draw much power at all. Let it run. Okay. I'm a firm believer, especially if you have a vaulted ceiling. Oh, yeah. You do not want that air. You want some movement. Right. So All right, I'm going to vote yes. Let it run. Cool. Thank you. All right. Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Kevin Farrell. For Pam Pibus, Jeff Sammons, and I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.